I had a, a, a precursor to that, and I say to them, why don't you do this over, and we'll just treat this as a learning experience and right. move on. So no penalty, no point deduction, just redo the assignment in your own words, and they do. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with co-host for the day, Mike Jones. Hi, Mike. Hey, Tiffany. Excited for our guest today. Yeah. Mike is typically our mixed media producer behind the scenes, but we love it when he gets to come front and center and do the podcast co-hosting with us. And today we are bringing forward Dr. Brad Garner. Hey, Brad. Hey, Tiffany. Hi, Mike. Hey there. I think it would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to your usual co-host, Brad, He's, he's fallen on hard times. I know this incarceration has been a big deal. I'm, I'm convinced he'll beat that. And I'm just looking forward to the day that he comes back. Aren't we all? We should have a moment of silence. Okay, that was enough. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't get a chance to catch Brad Garner on Digital to Learn last week, please go back and catch part one. Otherwise, we're going to continue our conversation on inclusive hospitality on the Digital to Learn podcast. One of the comments that was made earlier about how sometimes it's our, our students that come to the optional synchronous sessions that ultimately have higher levels of engagement or performance in a course. I've heard that actually framed as a concern of some faculty with their synchronous sessions. They'll say things like, the students that need to be here aren't here. So let's just entertain that for a second and say that it's true, but how is it that you create and bring in students that you know could use help or a guide that aren't attending the synchronous sessions? How do you cultivate hospitality there? Well, here's one that, that was a big surprise to me. In our learning management system, when you look at the assignments that are submitted, there's a button at the top of the page that if you click on that button, it creates an email for students who haven't submitted in that assignment. It automatically creates that email. So I go in and tinker with the language in it. So it's not like a, a reprimand, but more of a reminder. But imagine being a student and getting an email from your instructor saying, you didn't submit this assignment. It doesn't really say it that way, but right. just to get the email alone would be terrifying in some ways. They view it as, and I will typically always, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I will, generally speaking, get a response saying, thank you for reminding me. I'll get that in tonight. Because I think what they they see in that email is, hey, somebody noticed. Yeah. I'm not out here by myself. My instructor cares about me. That's the message they get. So I think you can just, even just sending an email saying, hey, you did a great job on this assignment. Anything you can to, to invite a response. Find something good they did. already touched on these, but what are the elements of hospitality? All the elements that you need to cover in order to really cultivate a space. I think uh, 
there are four dispositions that faculty need to have that kind of roll up into hospitality. And cleverly, I will say incredibly cleverly, the first letters of each of these spell out the word teach. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so T is for being teachable. So as faculty, we need to be learners. I say this with all the love I have in my heart, but there are many faculty in higher education who put themselves up on a pedestal and flaunt their knowledge in the classroom and want the students to know how smart they are. That's not a good way to go. It's much better to be teachable, acknowledge that you don't know everything in, the, in your discipline, and there's always something new to learn. So that's the first one. And I think that probably is one of the most important ones. That's the starting point. E stands for empathetic, especially for us as we work with adult learners. They have full lives, jobs, families, community responsibilities, car payments, all kinds of things like that. And they pile on top of that a, an academic program in courses that are only five or six weeks long. So they're, it's very compressed and they're very busy the whole time. If you miss a step, you can be in big trouble. And I have yet to teach a course where at least one student hasn't stumbled over something happening that they didn't expect. Yeah. A death in the family, a sick parent, a kid who's having difficulties, whatever it might be. Demonstrating empathy in those situations, not reciting the, the rules and regulations of late assignments, but rather working with the students to figure out how can we get mm -hmm. through this? How can we make it through the, the end of the course? And sometimes that includes, and I always offer this, you might want to just take an incomplete, you have an extra 10 weeks to complete this class, wouldn't that be a good thing to do? Very often they won't take advantage of that. Okay, how are we going to do this? The A is for availability. And as I'm saying these, I'm thinking, do I know what the other two are? <laughs> a is for availability, and that is being in the course, being, as we've described in, in many examples, being available to our students, being present so they know where we are. C is for consistent, and that is, I, just, I define that as doing the small things of teaching with excellence. So if you say you're going to return emails in, in 24 hours, make sure you do that. If you say you're going to get their assignments graded in five days, make sure you do that. Give them somebody to count on. And again, I think that builds relationships. It also builds opportunities for interactions where they know that, that you're there and they can ask their question or just have a conversation. And all of those kind of roll up into the H, which is hospitality. And that is simply creating a welcoming, safe space. And Mike, you mentioned earlier this whole idea of inclusivity. We are a faith-based institution, but at the same time, we know that most of our students do not have active faith lives. They, lives, they visit us and enroll with us for entirely different reasons often, scheduling, the major we offer, the price tag, all those kind of things. There are students with lots of different lifestyles that may be counter to what we would endorse necessarily. Okay, fine. Let's get right. past that. And that's where the hospitality comes in and the inclusive part. That's awesome. Well, we had a question next is, what's this mean for faculty? But I'm going to expand that because I think 
we can focus on faculty or on the classroom, but we also miss some things. I'll tell a little story on this one. So somebody asked me to create a video. They wanted to create a video for their course that was a walk through the syllabus. But there was a whole section of the syllabus on academic integrity, plagiarism, that type of thing. All of the language in that policy, as it was written, and he was just going to use it as a script, was um, guilty until proven innocent language, right? It was all just it was all penalty language. There was nothing in there saying, we don't believe yeah. that you would do this, but we just want you to be aware. There's just a, such a different, a better way to say it. So to me, I look at that, and it, instead of being hospitable, that was a very hostile section. Yet, if you look at any yes. course in our catalog, it has a syllabus, it has that same hostile language in it. So I think we can look at ways to improve what we do as an institution as much as we do as faculty. I know we're focused on faculty here, so we'll take it that way. But what other ways can we be inclusive and hospitable as faculty members? And really, what's it mean? Well, I think the plagiarism example is a good one. And again, I, I happens quite often, maybe once in every course, maybe twice, where a student mm-hmm. does that. And I will typically send them an email saying, just notice that your, a lot of your paper was not original content. But then I close with, we need to talk about this. So let's set up a time to talk. So I will set up a Zoom session. And you can tell that they're totally freaked out by this and frightened about what might be happening. And say in virtually every case, they had no idea that what mm-hmm. they did was wrong. It wasn't an intentional trying to pull a fast one on me. And the approach that I take, policy says, do it the first time you fail the assignment, do it the second time you fail the course, do it the third time you're out of the university. I add a, a, a precursor to that and I say to them, why don't you do this over and we'll just treat this as a learning experience and right. move on. So no penalty, no point deduction, just redo the assignment in your own words. And they do. And I think they learn from that. And that's the point. Yeah. There's, there are some programs that are like zero tolerance. If this assignment is missed, zero tolerance, it's a zero. I really mm-hmm. struggle with that type of a policy at a university because it, it is yep. the opposite of hospitality. One of the best things that prepared me to be a teacher was being a bad student. <laughs> I went back the other day and I was looking at my, my transcript for my illustrious college career and was appalled at how poorly I did. My first semester, I had a 1.7 GPA. I think I graduated. I didn't really know that there was such a thing as a GPA (laughs) until the last day before high school ended, and they handed out these little slips of paper that indicated that I was in the bottom third of my high school class. I didn't get much better in college. But I, I think that either consciously or unconsciously made me think about what teachers can do to help students be more successful. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I have a real passion for students who are struggling. We see that. Brad, let's say that you create the best that you can. You lay out the welcome mat and and you have all the best intentions to create this uh, inclusive, hospitable online learning environment and you model it. But how do you address instances where maybe peer to peer that's not happening. So maybe this doesn't happen very often because you're modeling it so well and you've got the welcome mat laid out, but how does somebody facilitate a classroom and, and make sure that the inclusiveness and hospitality is extended even from, from peer to peer? When you say from peer to peer, maybe what do you mean? Maybe in discussions 
like maintaining oh. hospitable discussions where people can challenge each other, but it doesn't turn hostile. I haven't seen yeah. a lot of that. And one of the other things that, that surprises me about on, online courses is the level at which students are mm -hmm. transparent and will share very horrible experiences, they've had painful things that have happened in their lives and just put it out there. But then the other part of that is I see other students rallying around mm -hmm. them and being encouraging and supportive and, hey, we can do this, that, that kind of attitude. But I've also noticed that level of transparency does not occur in the synchronous mm -hmm. sessions. So people are more comfortable writing yeah. about, invisibly almost, writing about something in their life rather than saying out loud. So I think that speaks to the advantage of having both of those yeah. available, both of those venues. But I'm always just totally amazed at how much people will share. That's cool. Shifting gears. When you first shared with, with Mike and with me that you were working on inclusive hospitality, you said that as you were just kind of feeling out this topic and beginning to explore, things really seemed to heat up quickly. There was an interest in this topic from conferences to publishers. Why mm -hmm. now? Well, part of it, I think, is this whole, if I can say this correctly, this whole bit of hoopla around being woke mm -hmm. and about not doing diver you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion things. That's in various parts of the country gaining momentum. I think the, the idea of providing hospitality and being inclusive is really accomplishing the same thing, but it's much more palatable to, to say it that way. Now, how can a faculty member be more inclusive? If, if you struggle with using pronouns or these types of things that are that exist today that are very hot topic catch on fire real fast if they're mishandled how do you be inclusive in a hospital without offending your own sensibilities if you will uh, if you're that type of person is it something you just avoid or what advice would you give someone that's struggling with that well i've, I've had various things happen in, in some of my synchronous conversations one student was drinking a glass of wine while we were having our, our discussion. Others have revealed things about their lives and what they believe. And I don't necessarily think it's my role to stop the discussion and tell them how, what they're doing is incorrect or this is the way you should be living or blah, blah, blah. I think those kind of conversations are built on relationships and for me to chastise a student for some behavior or a comment, which might be outside the bounds of normal right. expectations, I don't think is a valuable exercise. I may have a private conversation with them later just to say, just want to let you know how I mm -hmm. felt when that happened. And you might consider this. But I find students to be generally very civil to one another, kind of we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. We're all struggling Let's make it through this. And I read recently, one of, the, one of the characteristics of a community is if you think about an online class, is when people in the class talk to one another, connect with one another outside mm -hmm. the class. So they build those relationships in the course, but they also become 
supportive to one another outside the bounds of that particular course. I know I've talked to faculty that are afraid of synchronous sessions. They're afraid of uh, building a relationship with a student. They're afraid of social media. There's a lot of fear in having a conversation with yeah. a student directly that's not just through text. What, what advice would you give them? I guess my question would be, what do you have to fear? What possibly could happen? And I, I think part of that may be a personal expectation that I'm the instructor and you're the students and let's make a dividing line here and everybody know what that is. Mm -hmm. I don't think that makes sense. I think the best way to go into it is we're in this together. Sure. I'm the instructor and sure. I probably, I know more than anybody else in the class about this topic, just based on my training and experience. Yeah. But why flaunt that? Why not say let's learn together and communicate that to them over and over again. And when you mess up, Amen. admit it. <laughs> And say, I made a mistake. I really blew that one. That, I think, actually earns mm -hmm. you points in the student's mind. Because you're making yourself into a human being. And not just a, a visual, a virtual avatar. Mm -hmm. I, I think you had to give them credit, too. I remember I was teaching a post-production course, and a student showed me a new way to do something in the tool we were using. And I was like, that Absolutely. was amazing. That saved like 10 <laughs> steps. And so I actually recorded a video. I asked their permission, but recorded a video for the other students to say, hey, this student found this way to do this at save time. And, and I think that that built relationship too, just admitting that they were better Absolutely. at that thing than I was. I, that's beautiful. That is I'm a not great sure example. where this fits in, but I'm confident it fits in somewhere. I sent my week before a class starts email to try to begin to set that tone of, of trust and, and care. In my email signature is my LinkedIn profile link and the resource is there, so I have to know some people are going to click on it. They want to see who is this person. And I found it interesting. Class hasn't started. It starts next week. But I got a meeting request. I received a meeting request from a student that's going to be in the course. And she said, I looked you up on LinkedIn. I listened to your interview on Simply Why, which is another IWU podcast. I heard that you're interested in life coaching or that you have a passion for that. And so do I. Can we meet next Tuesday and talk about life coaching? And I thought... Wow. The class hasn't even cool. started and she's been, you know, exploring who I am, what I'm interested in, kind of a reversal there. And it was strange for the first second of processing that, but I thought, why not? Let's meet Tuesday. And I think that happens much more often yeah. than we are willing to admit. If we don't put ourselves out there and tell yeah. our students who we are, they're going to mm -hmm. be able to find out who we are. So, and I've become Facebook friends with many of my students I think that's perfectly yeah, fine. I use We're all tools, adults. And there's where that intersection of technology and hospitality. When I've got a class full of students and I don't have too many students, I'll, I'll Facebook them and see who they, who they are and what they sure. are into. I'll check their LinkedIn profiles. And then I use that yeah. in my conversations with them. Hey, I, I noticed you went. So what did you think about doing something about this? I mean, that's all tools in our toolbox or yeah, much better. better yeah, we'll edit that out. Those are all tools in our toolbox that we can use in relating to our students and who they are as people. That's cool. Absolutely. Brad, earlier you shared the teach model for hospitality. That's just 
one example of your writings and work on inclusive hospitality, where can we find the work that you've done that you plan to do on the subject? Well, my book will be coming out probably awesome. before the end of the year. It has been designated as a cure for insomnia. <laughs> so if you read one page a night, you'll have the best night of sleep you've ever had. I think I need to share the reason I do this. We had Yong Zhao on the oh, podcast yes. a year or so ago. And he said, if you want to learn about a topic, write a book. And that is so true. So writing books for me is a selfish endeavor. I'll identify a topic I don't know about. And I learned so much by writing. That's the end of it for me. I don't really care if anybody <laughs> reads it. I said they do, but typically they won't. I learned a lot. That's awesome. Now we typically give our guests a magic wand if they could change anything in higher education, what would it be? What's your magic wand change? Mine would be the elimination of pedestals <laughs> in higher education. That's... The faculty would come down off of those high mountains and be on level ground with their students. Great wish. That's awesome. Level ground? Sounding very familiar. I think there's another publication out there that starts with level ground. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, you say, you know, you wrote a book to learn more about the topic, but I'm I'm sure, I hope that when you were learning about it, it was just very affirming for the way that you've been teaching and relating to students for decades. So thank you yes. for just putting it in writing. My pleasure. And as always, it's a great privilege to be on the Digital <laughs> to Learn podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. He listens every six months or so. Yeah, that yeah. podcast. Yeah. A... I will say I, I don't necessarily listen, but I, I have heard every one of the podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will be back next week on the Digital to Learn podcast with Brad Garner as co-host. <laughs> unless he's fired, we haven't decided. Or if Mike just did a better job, Mike can, Mike can stay. <laughs> That's or maybe I'm true. getting fired. I don't know. True. This is too much. In the meantime, it would be great if you would share to this podcast with colleagues and friends like the episodes and help us build this network of educators who care about the future of digital teaching and learning. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.